either we are there or not, ITSP Magazine still gets the best stories. There are plenty of conferences and all sorts of events that spark our curiosity and allow us to start conversations with some of the world's brightest minds. In person or virtually, we sit down with them at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Together, we discover what the synergy of these three elements means for the future of humanity. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Marco. Sean. I, I feel like uh, the autonomous car needs, needs a boost of energy to get us all the way to Toronto. Oh, you're good. <laughs> You're gonna have to stop a few times. That's for sure. <laughs> that's right. I think we have we have to pause uh, pause along the way to, uh, to kind of re-energize and refocus on how we're getting from that new point in time to where we're going. Of course, I'm but joking. Can we gonna... can we not take the car for once? I, I was thinking to use a time machine to go there. <laughs> you want the time machine? We can do that for sure. Couple of kicks and uh... I think I think that requires twice as many stops though. Yeah, and I think plutonium or something like that to make yeah. it work. <laughs> All right, we'll imagine, figure it out. Imagine if the plane had to stop four or five times. I guess that's what layovers are for. Anyway, I digress. Um, there, there may be a lesson in my uh, rambling. We'll see how we get on the, with this conversation. We're on the on the road, quote unquote, to uh, Sector, a Black Hat event in Toronto where, of course, uh, bright minds and cool people come together to talk all things cyber and uh, – yeah, trying to figure out what's what's next. Not that we don't have enough on our plate already, but uh, th there's always the what's next. And uh, Mark, we have Laura Payne on. She's a keynote uh, for this year's event, and she has a, a bit of insight on what's next and what's what's up right now as well. So, Laura, it's great to have you on. Well, thanks, Sean, and thanks, Marco. And uh, um, I, I don't know that I'm any more qualified than anybody else to peer into the crystal ball and see what's coming in the future, but uh, it's my pleasure to have been invited to keynote this year and, and uh, certainly a pleasure to meet and speak with both of you. Well, you know, it's never too late to talk about the future. That's what we do anyway. You know? And it's then the, the end of the year, <laughs> the end of the year arrive and everybody comes with a prediction. So especially us doing podcasts, you know, that's that's usually... Is that time of the year, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> the but prediction season is upon us. <laughs> but isn't our job, and especially your job, our job is to share the prediction eventually, or isn't like people and professional in the industry to always foresee somehow the future at any given mm -hmm. time? Well, and especially in this industry, right? When uh, what we're doing is trying to protect and defend against what's coming and uh, be prepared for when and if that bad day happens and how we can minimize the risk um, and the impact if, if that uh, does occur. So absolutely. Yep. I love it. But before we, before we get into predicting what might happen, uh, let's look at the past and more specifically your past, Laura, <laughs> what you've been up to, uh, where you've come from, how you've arrived at this, this point. It's not easy getting speaking gigs at uh, some of these events. So congratulations for that. Tell us a little Thank bit about you. your, your journey and, uh, and uh, th this, this particular topic. Why, why, why this, why now? And tell us about that. Sure. Uh, well, you know, the last, um, 
almost three years now, I've been working in consulting with a, a number of companies of various sizes and industries. And I had prior to that worked in a large financial institution here in Canada for um, nearly 20 years in a number of different roles about uh, you know, just over 10 of those years were specifically security roles. And seeing the amount of possibility in that sphere for uh, growth and change. And in a financial institution, of course, uh, that's an organization that does take security pretty seriously. Uh, it's part of their core um, offering to a customer is that they are more secure um, from a financial perspective than keeping it in a mattress in your bed. Um, so really, that was a, a opportunity. I, I learned a lot about in a lot of different areas. Uh, but branching out during the COVID years, and in particular, working with organizations in the healthcare sphere, um, which saw a huge increase in opportunistic cyber attacks during that period, and specifically ransomware, because they knew that an industry under stress was a very profitable target, uh, unfortunately, for our public infrastructure. Um, but, you know, it, it was a really interesting place to be working in that period of time and just seeing the dynamic of how the environment was changing. Um, so and alongside of that, uh, specific to speaking at Sector, I've been involved with Sector. I first spoke there in 2014 on risk management and quanti quantifying risk. Um, and then I've been part of the advisory committee for some period of time as well. And uh, it's just a real honor that uh, they they reached out to me to consider keynoting this year and, and uh, sharing some of that experience that I've accumulated over time, but uh, using it to try to look forward and not just look back. Well, that's good. I'm curious what qualifies you to to foresee the future in a certain way. You know what? I don't I don't know that anybody is qualified. <laughs> They, they don't have a credential in crystal ball gazing. Um, unless, unless you go to some school that I know exists in the fantasy world, <laughs> and maybe you get that. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't been to Hogwarts lately. Um, <laughs> so, um, but, uh, you know, I, I think where, uh, where my perspective is maybe uh, different from what other folks have is just that I have uh, now seen, you know, all scale of, of, of organizations from large to the small online bricks and mortar um, established startups, uh, you know, working across a number of industries and seeing the change. Uh, I'm excited about what's coming in some spheres I am terrified of what's coming in other spheres. It's just, you know, kind of what's coming down the pipe and happy to, to talk about it, right? Let's and I, I'm, told, I'm told I have a weird sense of humor and, and a, a way of talking about things that people enjoy, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> this is the place to bring it because, you know, we are kind of weird ourselves, so let's do it. <laughs> now, um, so I don't know, Sean, uh, do you want to know about AI? What is that you want to know about? <laughs> Well, I, I think there are two ways to look at the future, right? And one is to have no idea about anything and just fantasize about what might be possible. But then the other is to look at data and, and past, uh, past events, a bit at history and, and understanding how people and machines work and, and analyze that to say, this is likely what's going to happen. So... And then, of course, if you predict the future, 
what, what are you going to do with that information? Hopefully you're going to make some decisions that, <laughs> that uh, help you help you prepare for that future, whatever it looks like, or perhaps do something different to, to change the future and to be more like you, what, what you want. So, Laura, the reason I say all of that is um, how did you arrive at what you want to talk about this year? I don't want you to give anything away. We want people to come come sit in the room with you and, and soak it all in and, and, and laugh alongside, hopefully not at, but alongside you um, and, and partake in what you're going to be sharing. So what, what does that list look like or what are the, what are the topics look like and mm-hmm. uh, how did, how did you arrive there? Yeah. I, I, you know, I'll start with the, how did I arrive at it question, which really was um, you know, chatting with the folks at sector about what was going to be relevant for the keynote audience and, you know, where are people's heads at? And I think it, I think it's a reflection of sort of the anxiety that people have in general right now, about what's coming. Um, it, not that a, a keynote about what's coming is particularly unusual, but there was really, you know, that kind of, drive to say that this is where people really are are trying to put some focus and attention part of it's the time of year as well um so you know there was a piece of that um and you know from a topic perspective uh i mean we're still i'm still refining i'll put it that way so i could i could tell you something now and it might not even make it (laughs) in my final cut um but I, i think if i was to summarize it there are a lot of things that are are old that are still you know being talked about as if they're new right and and uh everything to, related to artificial intelligence almost falls into this category of um you know folks are talking about how they're going to use ai for all of these you know cool different amazing things but most of them aren't actually that different some of them are really cool um but they're not things that are new that we've never tried doing before. We just didn't have tools to enable us to do them as quickly um, as we did before. So that that's definitely going to be you know part of my recurring theme is that 2024, um, I don't think is going to be groundbreaking in the sense of what we do, but I think we'll see significantly significant change in how people go about it. Um, and, and then I think the other piece is being resilient to that change. So Sean, you mentioned, you know, you can look at the future as just um, not even really, you know, trying to predict, just being prepared. And I think the way as a, uh, well, as a professional in almost any field, but especially for security practitioners to approach that, if, if you if you would rather not try to predict is to be prepared, right? From a resiliency perspective, how do you, how do you um, prepare yourself personally to be able to deal with whatever kind of comes down the pipe at you. Um, and and then a third piece I'll, I'll throw out there is just, there are some things that we do actually know will happen in 2024. Um, so we'll touch on some of those quickly just to make sure that it is at foremost in people's minds what's coming um, as they're looking ahead at the year and, and to you know at least take those things into account. Well, it makes me think uh, a lot of, philosophical approach to life and the way we run our business and and that they do apply obviously in in a in a field where it's all about security and predicting what the 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 enemy or the adversary may may do mm-hmm. and maybe just by making this prediction you change the future because then uh, the the adversary may think like, oh, maybe they're prepared for this. Like, how do I throw them a, 
a curveball, right? <laughs> how, so, how do we throw So I think the lesson is always to be prepared for the unprepared, and, uh, and you can make as many predictions as you want, and that's, that's what it's all about, really, having um, mm -hmm. an overview of things. But, yeah. of course, um, you're going to have to spill something, some beans there. <laughs> so again, without going into details, uh, yeah. and and even like risking that maybe that some of the things you're presenting now will not be presented. Uh, what what's your what's on your list? And then we'll see what makes it to. Mm, mm, what's on my list? Well, you know, I, I think one of the gimmies for 2024, um, and uh, being north of the border. Um, we get a bit more of a spectator seat to it, but um, the U.S. federal election, I think that's going to be a huge factor in what comes down uh, into the cybersecurity domain in 2024. Um, everything from ramping up of foreign interference um, to leveraging and abusing the discussion and, and all of that to create opportunities for social engineering to happen um, to, you know, really just almost anything can, can kind of come up out of an event um, that is shaping up the way that is going to be. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see some of the ripple effects that come out of that. Um, but then, you know, reflecting on the theme of, you know, have we seen elections like this before? Well, you know, 2020 was one of those years where um, we absolutely saw that sort of ramp up of, a, you know, a very interesting election machine. Did it have the same kind of, you know, flavors that are coming in 2024? Well, no, there, there weren't nearly as many um, cases before courts. Um, and I'll kind of leave it at that, <laughs> um, you know, but, but uh, you know, and I think that's a factor um, looking globally. So it's not just the U.S. that has an election. Um, Ukraine and Russia both also have elections. And because of what's been happening in those spheres, um, they may be more interesting elections than usual. Um, and we'll see what sort of foreign interference maybe tries to play uh, there, right? You know, the, we, we are used to talking about it as interference coming into the North American sphere. Um, but is this going to be an opportunity where it's used vice versa? Um, yeah. So when I'm, when I'm on my show, Redefining Cybersecurity, uh, which will be published on that channel, uh, of course. Um, one of the things I like to look at is, and it's in your title, Chief Enablement Officer. Right? It's, it's, <laughs> yes. not just, it's not just preparing for what's bad, but it's making sure what should happen happens mm -hmm. and uh, in, in a safe and secure way. Um, I don't know if you touch on anything that says, here's what we need to look at from a resiliency perspective, so not just the not just the bad actors and and the threats that are coming, um, and and the events that might take place that put us back on our heel, but what are some of the things we see from a business perspective that say, you know, we're we're moving, we're we are embracing AI. Those have risks. We're mm -hmm. moving to the edge. Um, All know, the words, right? IoT, <laughs> bio, you, you name it, right? Yeah, um, we want those to work properly. So designing and, and building those things from the start with, with security built in. Do you, do you get into any of that? Kind of yeah, stuff? absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think it's important too, as we look, you know, ahead and especially at the uncertainty that new technology brings. But again, this isn't the first time, you know, we've bridged that. Let's look at 
well, I'll use cloud as the example, and you know, just to I use another generic term that means all the things to all the people. Um, but you know, when when these data centers were first being presented as you know just a virtual place to set up your infrastructure, and businesses were starting to look at that as, hey, is this going to be more cost effective? It's certainly you know faster to spin up a server off of somebody else's infrastructure than it is for me to order something, get it racked, stacked, connected, hope it works, install a thing, you know, all that stuff. Um, so it, when we look at kind of what happened there, the immediate knee-jerk reaction for the vast majority of practitioners was. I don't know anything about this space. Um, so how can I possibly uh, believe it's secure? And we look forward now and you know we're more than a decade into cloud adoption. And I'd say the majority of practitioners now at least have a passing understanding of it. Um, they've come to realize that the organizations, that this is their bread and butter and what they do for a living, at least, you know, the, the key ones that we think of the Amazons and, and Microsofts and, and so on, uh, that they, they understand the core underlying principles needed to secure it. And because the variety of what they're doing is more restricted and they've made it clear where their boundaries are, that they're able to do a really solid job. Um, and then on top of that, we've seen, you know, the tooling come in place to support security in the part that's now the, you know, the domain of the customer to protect. Um, so you see that shift over time. I think AI is right at the beginning of that journey, right, where we have a small number of players in the space. The companies are established and have a certain track record behind them of how they approach things, but there's still a lot of unknowns about it. And so the knee-jerk reaction right now is for large companies with an established you know, security need and footprint, and, and they've got enough challenges already dealing with what they already had, let alone bringing in a whole bunch of other new stuff. The knee-jerk reaction is shut down access, limited, you know, very controlled potential pilots, right? Maybe some, you know, niche areas of the business um, when we talk large enterprise. And on the other hand, your, you know, your startups, your small businesses that are very flexible, very open-minded are just jumping in with two feet. And um, a lot of them weren't thinking about security in the first place, um, let alone, you know, now when they're kind of experimenting with these new technologies. So we're seeing that same kind of dynamic start to play out, um, I think, in the AI sphere. Really interesting timing as well. I thought that the uh, risk paper from NIST happened to be ready. Um, and I, I, I think it was coincidence in a sense, right? Like, I don't think anybody really could have timed it the way it was on purpose, just because of the, the lead up time it takes. But that paper came out right at the same time that ChatGPT was exploding with its free uh, usage tier and just it capturing the imagination of, of a, you know, a huge audience of people globally. Um, so the thinking around how to manage risk has started, you know, in a good place, at least there's some published works um, that have uh, come into play. And then forget regulation. I mean, even it, so in Canada, um, they are starting to put in place some some work around that. Um, but it's, I, I know how regulation around security already is and how it is very challenging for lawmakers to keep up with meaningful regulation. Um, and I suspect AI is only going to be worse. Fun. <laughs> Uh, now, I, I like something you said at the beginning, which is 
it's kind of like every year you make the prediction and it's really not that different. And I heard this from other. I mean, my good friend Matthew Rosenquist, we always have fun with him in, in doing the prediction, but we do it in a funny way, knowing that it's just because we have to do it. Maybe the audience expect that, but then it's kind of the same thing. It's just with different tools, right? So I, I'm curious to know if from your perspective, this conversation about generative AI, you mentioned small, medium businesses, enterprise as well, wouldn't somehow at least um, make it easier, not easy, but easier for smaller organization to to do something at, at the basic level of security, while we know that the large organization, they're still going to try to be ahead, way ahead. But that gap maybe reduces yeah. it. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think small companies definitely have the advantage with adopting um, a generative AI uh, a early on, right? And finding uses for it that are meaningful and actually make a difference for their business. Um, and the reason I say that, I mean, it, so small business, if, if it's not directly contributing to the objective of the company and how it makes money, they don't have time to waste on it. Whereas large enterprise has a lot of opportunity to pick weird projects that don't make any sense <laughs> and, and to use those as their pilots, right? Um, you know, it, partly it, it's the luxury of having, you know, that kind of that capacity in a company to do an experiment in, in weird and interesting places. But also it's because the risk appetite is there only to do weird you know, kind of off the cuff side of the desk experiments with new technology, right? They don't really have an appetite to try to do something meaningful for core business with an untested um, technology or arena. So, I mean, that's my thought on it. Um, so when you look at startups, yeah, I think, I think there is a ton of opportunity there. I think where it will be very, uh, you know, where you'll see a division is those who are using it as a supporting uh, service. So for example, you know, amping up their sales ability through having better scripting written by you know, something like chat, chat um, and really learning how to drive, you know, the, the easily available tools to support them uh, versus companies that are going to build their services off of AI. And they're really going to not just use existing services, but they're going to be leveraging it, them into making new and different kind of products. They're going to be innovating on top of it, not just using it, the service that's available. What about skills for practitioners? Because a lot of these tools, a lot of them, certainly IOT and, and OT and, when we start looking at critical infrastructure, a lot of it's hardware based mm -hmm. and they use a lot of different protocols to connect and communicate. And uh, certainly through with things like chat GPT and everything becoming an app um, driven by APIs as the whole world of, of APIs. Are there, are there things security practitioners need to prepare for in that sense, not just, these are the threats and this is how our programs impacted, but I now need to analyze code and APIs and different protocols and things like that. Any, any thoughts there? Yeah. 
Well, I think it depends on the kind of practitioner you are. So uh, I think a, a question where you're starting with that question is from the perspective maybe of, of a more general practitioner, right? Like they have a large scope of responsibility, um, but, you know, they're, they may not have a, a ton of resources available to them. Um, and I think in that space, it's critical to keep yourself brushed up on the basics because the basics haven't changed of what needs to be done to secure things, right? Knowing all the things you have, um, understanding, you don't have to know in detail how they work, but you know, the basics of how do they communicate, right? So, you know, what what's normal for this device? Um, and, and then, you know, wrapping protections around them from that perspective. So, uh, you know, when you're trying to protect a new area, you, you can't do everything, right? So you got to get back to the basics. Um, that's always where I would start with something like that. Um, for practitioners in more deep dive areas, right? So if we talk about our pen testers, right? We definitely see, um, I, and I think another trend for 2024 that's continuing from previous years is that more businesses are um, putting some focus and attention on security. So the ones who already were are continuing that journey um, and the ones who weren't are starting to think about it. And part of that is just being driven by more and more business to business demand for knowing that their um, suppliers are secure. Um, so what that brings then is, is um, you know, for those practitioners seeing say more manufacturing, for example, um, getting into looking at how should they be securing um, those areas. They invested in the IOT and now they're hearing Right, all the uh, at the conferences about manufacturing, they're all hearing about how IoT is is a prime target, um, and if it's the lifeblood of your company that you've now you know invested in this computing resource for, um, for somebody who's say a penetration tester, making sure that you're prepared for how do you speak to uh, you know companies like that about testing um, you know their infrastructure, um, you know, critical infrastructure is only going to continue as a as a increased area of attention and focus and investment for security. Um, so similar there. Doesn't mean the other stuff's going away, right? Web apps, mobile app pen testing, that's all still relevant, right? Um, being able to test your APIs um, and, and all of that, that's still there. So, I mean, it's expanding field. And the other thing I would really love to see, um, so if I was making um, you know, a prediction that was the, what does Laura wish would happen? I would love to see a continued trend of IT professionals becoming more conversant in security because I think the call to have so many security professionals doing all the security, I think that's a trend that's gotta start fading out in exchange for we need more IT professionals who understand security and then security professionals are there to augment and bolster their resources. Wow, you kind of really make me think about this recurring, I mean, we always need to look at the history to predict the future in every, yep. every even the election, for example, I don't want to go into all, <laughs> we'll the, all the software yeah. engineering there and, and the and even creating fake news is not just something that happened outside of the country, it comes in within the country. I mean, it's been used already for much more propaganda. But I see it as what you said, you mentioned IoT, nothing really goes away. We're just adding another layer on top of that. But the way that many times marketing presented is uh, there's the buzzword and it's almost make it look like, well, everything else is being taken care of. Now we got to worry about this. The truth, truth is, that, you know, it's still there, right? Absolutely. Just, 
So the prediction is buckle up. Pile it on. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's, there's just more being added to the plate. You're absolutely right. And, um, um, you know, it's, it's funny talking to startups and they say, oh, we're too small to do security. I'm, I'm, nobody's too small to do security. Why wouldn't you do it when you're small and you can actually wrap your hands around all the things you have and, and start to establish um, processes and, and just, you know, make it your routine so that you don't have to think about, you know, you don't want to get to a 50 person company and then try to figure out how you're going to make sure everybody knows what they're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Let's start right from day one that way. Wow. Um, you know, so I, I, and we're starting to see more of that, but it's, you know, there's still a long ways to go um, on, on that awareness for those organizations. Um, other interesting changes like in 2023, we saw the SEC get more involved in, in pushing for um, cybersecurity requirements um, for venture capital organizations and, you know, having, um, you know, some rules around what uh, some of the funds have to have in place from a, from a security perspective. Um, so you're seeing more of a push also from that angle too, that uh, more industries are being pushed to do at least the bare minimum. Though there, there might be an argument about where the bare minimum is. <laughs> and, and for us to notify as well. <laughs> when the yeah, well, and, and that's usually where it starts, right? <laughs> is the regulators usually start with enforcing um, you know, requirements to report um, and, and really, you know, putting some meaningful penalties in place for not reporting. Um, but that's, you know, that's a very reactive stance, um, unfortunately. You know. yeah. yeah, that's all another conversation as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say I think it's going to be easier to predict the future than it will be to predict the past. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying misinformation and disinformation. It's going to be easy to change what happened <laughs> and, and easier to see and, and make sense of it. Or history is going to be rewritten. Want to go 1984? <laughs> exactly. Controlling the present and the future. You know, it, and it, I think that's a, a really fair statement. The communication really does shape, certainly when it comes to human outcomes, right? Communication and what messages are getting through really do have an impact on what does happen. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll use polling as an example, right? So when the polls come out and the closer you get to the election, um, there are a number of elections you can look at historically where the stronger the polls were in favor of one candidate winning, um, the, the especially in a two in a two horse race, the more likely it was that the poll would be wrong, because what it incentive did was incentivize people. Well, this is my theory anyway. It incentivizes people who see that they're going to be on the losing side to get out and make the change that they want to see. Um, so, it, it's words, really interesting. In other words, that, the, that, the human brain is always a key factor. <laughs> <laughs> our 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 desire to be adversarial <laughs> is is not to be underestimated. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, how can we harness that for uh, for good? That's the question. Yeah. Uh, well, we start by having conversations like this and uh, and sharing stories on a stage like you're doing at Sector and engaging with the community and uh, ho hopefully that's all happening and. I'm thrilled to, uh, to have this conversation and, uh, with you, Lauren, to have you on the show. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, Marco, what do you think? Time machine time? 
It's time machine, but it also Go back and rewrite history. We we left so many possible conversation to start, and of course we have limited time, so we're gonna call it off. But I mean, I I would love to dig deeper in the future uh, about some of this conversation, even election. It it would be perfect for for a more societal view of uh, of things, and uh, yeah, again, it's a lot of thinking, and uh, and I love that. That's that's why we do have this conversation. That's why mm-hmm. conference and events like the one that the sector and, and many others are for put together people, Absolutely. idea, theory, thesis, and um, and and kind of maybe become a little bit what we are not used to as human, which means proactive instead of reactive, and that's mm-hmm. that's the lesson right there. Absolutely. So excited for your talk, which Sean is going to be. When? Yeah, it is going to be Thursday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. Uh, And uh, yeah, no, and I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and uh, chat with you guys. And I I think what you said about communication is so key, right? We can uh, we can work together and solve a lot of problems if people come together and honestly ask questions and discuss and come with an open mind, uh, not to just convince other people, but also to potentially be convinced. So mm-hmm. we'll see what comes. Uh, yeah, two words, <laughs> honest, honest and open. I, I latched onto those. <laughs> Don't be afraid to share an honest opinion, but be open to, uh, to feedback That's right. as well. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, Laura, thanks again so much. And thanks everybody for listening or watching to this episode, October 23rd to the 26th of Sector. Uh, we have a few conversations from the events that we're sharing. Uh, some really cool stuff from uh, others just like Laura. And uh, yeah, all, all to get you to think. So stay tuned to our on location page. Uh, listen, share, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Thanks, everybody. Awesome. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this episode of our On Location Conversation. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.